Morning, everybody. Oh, Dave Ewalt of Forbes magazine recently wrote an article entitled The World's Most Powerful People of 2018. The opening line of his article reads, There are nearly 7.5 billion humans on the planet Earth, but these 75 men and women make the world turn. You know, when you look strictly from the function of politics or business, you could argue with people, a lot of these folks that their abilities and resources and the positions of the power they've been put in do allow them to influence and direct some of the avenues of their world of influence. But as a, as a Christian, I often think, you know, what, what and who really makes the world turn? What is the reason we are here on this planet? Most of us, very probable to say any of us will ever make a list like that. But yet we have an ability to influence our world. You know, what is the purpose for the Christian here? I believe the, our main purpose is to know God fully and to have a personal walk with Him in our life, our Creator. And in that, to bring glory to Him ultimately and not ourselves. That is the prime focus and target of our life and while we're here. God wants you and God wants His church to make a difference that will last for eternity. And it ultimately brings Him glory. You know, as Christians, we know a lot about what God has promised us. But the reality is we never use much of what's available to us. And some would argue, well, why should we, do we really have to? I mean, what is, what's the real issue with that? And I would argue from the Christian standpoint, standpoint it'll help you escape a lifeless, unproductive, unfruitful, and worried-filled life. Many of us will stay stuck spiritually our whole life and never see much change or make much of a difference for Jesus Christ. And how sad that is. Wouldn't it be great with a New Year's resolution since we're fresh out of the, into the new year if you could look back and, and John the Baptist, to paraphrase almost what he said, I'll throw myself into it, that I could say, for 2019, that Chad Overbeek would decrease and Jesus Christ would increase. And to put your name in that slot. My question this morning for you and for myself is, are you willing to let Jesus have more of you? Are you willing to let Jesus have all of you? Hopefully you're responding yes. But you might be saying, well, how, how do I do that when I really think about that? How do I let God have more of me? Well, fortunately, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Ephesians that we're going to look at this morning, in his prayer for the church, lays out some steps for the church and for us to help us step through how to give ourselves more to Jesus Christ. Would you please stand with me as we read our text this morning out of Ephesians chapter 3? For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me. Jesus, we, uh, we recognize the purpose of our life is to know you and to bring glory to you and our Heavenly Father. And Lord, as we uh, walk through this life, we are dependent on you. We're dependent on your power and resources that you give us. Lord, it's up to us to give you the control in our lives, though. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to take a step forward to give you more control of who we are. Change us, Lord. May it bring glory to you. Amen. <clears throat> you know, the Apostle Paul had learned what it meant to totally depend on the power of Jesus Christ. And Paul's strength and protection to live day to day was fully dependent on that. We're looking soon after the church is unfolding in Acts 14, 19. Paul is stoned and dragged out of the city, thought to be dead. If there was one thing Jews at that time were good at was killing somebody when they stoned them. They usually were sure that they were dead. And God spared Paul's life through that situation. And on through, we even see in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11, and Paul lists the suffering and persecution torture that he's been through for the sake of Christ, and it's an astounding, amazing list. And, but Paul was utterly dependent, fully dependent, on Jesus Christ to protect him, to sustain him, to empower him. Paul realized his very existence and purpose depended totally on God's protection and power to make an eternal impact with his life. Now Paul sits in prison... And he writes a letter to the churches in Ephesus. And it's a, really a letter of encouragement to them in their Christian walk. And in the first three chapters of Ephesians, he kind of lays out two main points as he is unfolding his letter. The first point he focuses on is to emphasize on who their identity, who they are in Jesus Christ. Who they are. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What are the resources they have available to them? And as he moves into chapter 3, he's really unfolding a, an encouraged response for them to use to tap into the resources and power that they now have in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to be focusing on the using of the resources and power that God gives us 
as believers. And Paul lays out really kind of four steps through this prayer to guide us. And we start in verse 14, and he starts off with, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Well, for what reason, instantly, you kind of wonder when you say, for what reason, you almost have to start backing up. And he starts chapter 3 with the same phrase, for this reason. He kind of answers it in part of the first part of 3, but you almost back up to chapter 2, and you look at what the reason is, really. And Paul talks about the new identity that believers have in Christ, that we're adopted kids of the living God. He has a purpose for our lives. He has work for us to do while we're here on this earth. We have the hope and gift of heaven for us as well. And God dwells within us. Immortal God dwells inside mortal mankind. That's amazing. And for this reason of who we are in Christ, Paul is driven to prayer on behalf of the church. And he continues in verse 14. He says, I kneel before the Father... It's interesting, you know, Paul's in prison, and yet he's describing his position in prayer. Many Jews at this time stood in prayer. There were other positions too, they knelt, but I think it's important to note that he is trying to get across to them his passion, his emotion, the strong desire he has that they get this for what he's trying. And I believe Paul's, on his passion still rings true for the church today. I think Paul is on his knees, if you will, for the church at Walloon today. He's on his knees for the church in East Jordan and in Lansing today. He's on his knees for the church of Jesus Christ today. And Paul approaches our Heavenly Father with a confidence and freedom as he makes his request to Him. He continues in verse 15, from whom every, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and really the point of that, he's just addressing Christians there as well. Christians currently living, Christians who are now in glory in heaven. And in verse 16 he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And I personally like the New American Standard translation on this verse as I was looking at this passage. It reads this way, that He, God, would grant you according to the riches of His mercy. Let me give you a little illustration of that, really. If, you were, if I was a millionaire, I could gift you out of my riches. That would be any amount I would choose to give you. I could give you $10, $20, $50, $100. I'd be gifting you out of my riches. But if I'm going to gift you according to my riches, according to the ability that I have, I have the ability now to gift you generously more because of my resources. I could gift you with $10,000, $20,000, $50,000. That would be giving to you according to my riches. Now think of that in context with God himself. God is giving us according to His riches. God's riches are endless. It's staggering. It's mind-boggling. God has no limit to the riches and the resources He can give to us. And He offers that 
freely and limitlessly to the believer. We have a limitless power supply. And it's easy for us, you know, to have a comprehension of material possessions. Whether you have a little in material possessions or you have a lot in material possessions, everybody can identify to some magnitude with that. Even if you don't have a lot materially, you can identify with what it would probably be like to have more material possessions. But spiritual riches, that is much harder for us to grasp. And that's much more harder for you to grasp, especially if you're not walking close to the Lord, it even becomes fuzzier yet on what what does that look like? What does that potentially mean for me? Well, what are some of the spiritual riches we have? Paul covers through some of those briefly, and I'll just go through them, and it's really kind of our, it ties to our identity in Christ. One richness, riches, riches you have, Christ saved you. Christ saved you if you've put your faith and trust in him. That is a tremendous richness of the believer. The forgiveness offered to you by Jesus Christ. The purpose and work of your life. We are workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We have a purpose while we're here. We have the promise of heaven. We have a promise that this isn't the end. There is something that is so great and far and wonderful beyond what we can even comprehend. We have the richness of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as believers and the power that He brings. We are rich. We are rich spiritually. Our problem is is that we tend to cut God short and we put our own limits on what He thinks or what we think His limits are. I think every one of us has a little God box. I have a God box. I try to smash my God box all the time. I look at it this way. My God box is idolatry in my life. I tend to put limits. I tend to create God. I look at God in a way where I start to put limits on Him. Or I I start to make Him something He's not, according to the Scripture. That is idolatry. We all do that to some level. We put Him into a box of how we view Him. We'll now start looking at the four steps Paul works through in this passage. In step one, I labeled as just allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. In verse 16, he continues on. It says, out of his riches he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. You know, the average American spends $155 a month on physical fitness. And at first I'm like, well, and I, I'm like, yeah, I get that. I believe it. I'm a member of a gym. I don't spend that much myself, but in the context of it, when you think about it, gym memberships, personal trainers, nutrition, meal advice, gym clothing, diet plans, food supplements, vitamins, I think it's very tangible and realistic. Globally, the fitness industry generates $83 billion. So it's a, it's a big industry. We invest hours and dollars into our physical health and well-being. And the Bible even says there is some value in doing so with that. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, For physical fitness or training and exercise is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both this present life and the life to come. So exercise does have some value. 
but it's some, it's marginal, it's temporary for the little short span that our life and bodies are here. But spiritual exercise, he says, has double value. It has value now as well as throughout all eternity. The reality is that most of us are spiritually out of shape. Many Christians will hardly develop their spiritual muscles. And because of it, they suffer, the church suffers, and the world suffers. Because our inner man, our inner being, has never gotten in shape. Paul prayed that the church and the people of the church would seek at being empowered with the Holy Spirit. And the good news is, is that it's never too late to start building your inner self. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or if you're 85. You can start building your inner self. The number one way the Holy Spirit empowers the believer is through spending time in this book right here, in God's Word. This is the number one way to have the Holy Spirit start to develop and empower you in your life. It's not the latest self-help book. It will not be in the latest Christian release bestseller on the New York Times. The number one way the Holy Spirit will start to empower the believer is spending time directly in the Word of God. You know, and physical strength doesn't come quickly. Well, likewise, spiritual strength doesn't come quickly. It takes time to develop. It takes steps to develop. And as you become more disciplined in studying God's Word, you think about it, you understand it, you start living by it, you will continue to start to be nourished and strengthened by God's Word. So my question is with step one is, how are you doing in step one? And the purpose is not to create guilt on anybody this morning. Guilt comes from the enemy. You know, it can be a motivator, but how are you doing with a personal time and a personal devotion with the Lord? Is it non-existent? Is it, I don't, I don't know how to do that maybe even. Maybe you're new to the faith in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you don't even have a Bible yet. You're so new. We have free Bibles on the way out this morning. If you stop at the welcome desk and just say, I'd like a Bible, we'll be glad to hand you one. But do you have, are you taking time to find resources for that? We have daily breads out there as well too, little devotional guides. I'd encourage you as well too to get the church app, Walloon Church, search it in the app store. Our app is designed, when you first get it, it walks you through a little survey of yourself. And what it does is it tunes kind of where you're at spiritually, and then it will send you passages of Scripture. You can choose how many times a day you'd like it. It'll ping up a passage of Scripture, some verses, and it'll have some questions or some thoughts just to stir your mind in God's Word, just to activate it during the day. Start small if you need to. I look at it this way too with devotions, is that if you're currently not doing devotions regularly, or almost non-existent, tomorrow's not marathon day. Don't be realistic. If you want to get very discouraged, try and take on a marathon tomorrow. Try and go run a marathon today, physically, if you've never even trained. It's not, God meets you where you're at. God meets you and just to start stepping through that. If you're crawling, crawl, work towards walking. If you're walking, start working towards jogging. 
you're jogging with the Lord, start working towards running. If you're running, maybe it's time to take into a marathon. I look at it that way with devotions. But I encourage you to start, to start where you're at and let Jesus have more of you. Are you willing to let Jesus have more of you, your life? Are you willing to start turning your life over to him more? Step two in this passage, I label it as just to allow Jesus Christ to be the master of the house. Verse 17, Paul continues on, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You know, many of us on occasion, I'm sure we invite guests into our home. Or you, or you are invited as a guest into a home. And a lot of times, culturally, it's just you invite somebody to your home. Make yourself at home when somebody comes into your home. But they're a guest status. Yes, we want them to be at home. But we're not going to just allow them instantly to come in and start moving our furniture around, start redecorating. My kids have limited control in my house. I, my kids don't repaint the room until I know what color they want to do and we'll talk about it. My kids don't rearrange the furniture in my house. But you know, when we're a believer, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and Jesus Christ comes into our life and He doesn't want to remain the guest. He wants to come and dwell. He wants to be able to abide there. He wants to be able to have full control. He wants the keys to the house. The Christian literally has the immortal God living inside us. Not physically, spiritually. He is there. And where the Holy Spirit is, Jesus Christ is also. They can't be separated. So when you accept Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, Jesus Christ is coming with him as well. He wants to start cleaning the house and remodeling the house as he sees fit. And are you willing to trust Him? Because it says by faith to do that. Are you willing to trust Jesus with the rooms in your house? With the rooms in your heart? Are you willing to start handing Him the keys? The reality is, is He will not rest and be at peace in your life until you're willing to give it all to Him. He's going to keep pursuing, keep asking, and you may say, well, you know, Pastor, I've got, if I'm honest, you know, there's more than one room in my life that probably needs some work, some redecorating, maybe some major overhaul. I mean, I'm, I'm just a mess. You know what? Start with one key. The Lord's in your life. Start with one key. Start where it's at. The beautiful thing is, is that Jesus Christ is an incredible housekeeper. Start with the one room. Start with what he's talking to you most about. He'll get to the rest of the rooms later in his time. He's an incredible house cleaner. Are you willing to let Jesus have more of you? Are you willing to let Jesus have all of you? Step three this morning is knowing Christ's love. Continues on in verse 17 and 19. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You know, Christians are to be rooted and established in love. And I think of, you know, take both of those 
metaphors and I think of just the trees around here. We're blessed with beautiful forests in northern Michigan. And you think of the, the magnitude size of some of our maples and just the, the root systems that they have and the strength that they need to sustain that tree, that bring the nutrients to help that tree flourish into what it's designed to be and to sustain it. And for trees that produce fruit, that it brings the products to it that, need, that it needs to produce the fruit. You think of building structures, and I, I looked online real quick this week, too, as to uh, the Sears Tower. A lot of us are familiar with that building, and just the foundation of the Sears Tower is a massive cement structure that's 100 feet deep into the ground. In addition to the foundation, it is surrounded by 200 huge cement-filled cylinders bored an additional 100 feet down to the actual bedrock layer of the building. And with that solid foundation that that building has, it allows it to be constructed into the beautiful structure that it is. The natural result of our yielding to the Spirit's power and submitting to Christ's Lordship in our hearts is love. That is the natural outcome and source that comes. We become rooted and established in a deep, strong foundation of love when Christ's freely dwells in our hearts. Because the reality is, is wherever Jesus Christ is, love is there also. You can't have the two without each other. Christ cannot be separated from love. They are inseparable. A Christian has to choose not to love. It'd be similar to breathing. All of you have been breathing and probably not even thinking about it this morning. But if I say, everybody hold your breath just for a moment, you have to think about that and hold your breath. The same is true for love in the Christian. If you are a consistent, unloving Christian, I will challenge you with that you have a turmoil with who's in authority in your life. You have a wrestling match going on in your heart with Jesus Christ. Because you are choosing to be disobedient. If you're choosing to allow God Jesus Christ, His Son, to rule and reign in your life, love will be an absolute natural product of it. To love like Jesus will be so natural, you won't even think about it. You won't have to be thinking about, gee, if I love like Jesus lately, I need to do something that's loving like Jesus. If you're really living and walking with the Lord, that's just naturally the outcome and byproduct of it. The absence of love has everything to do with what's going on inside you. To be rooted and grounded in love requires us to be rooted and grounded in God. Paul continues on in verse 18. He says, may have power together with all the saints. You know, it's good for us as Christians to come together and talk about what God's doing in our lives. To talk about and encourage with each other and to strengthen each other on what Christ has been doing in our lives. We share the testimonies of what's, what's happening in my life. What's God doing? Where have I seen God show up? What is something amazing I've seen God doing? What is something that's just wonderful going on in the relationships in my family? That's encouraging to us, and that helps us as brothers and sisters to start to get a bigger picture of what the love of Christ looks like. And the psalmist says it as well in 66, verse 16 of Psalm. Come and listen, all 
you who fear God. Let me tell you what He has done for me. It is good for us as Christians to share what's going on in our lives and what the Lord is doing. We need to share with others what we're learning about Christ's love and our sharing leads to a further understanding. And our understanding helps us to start grasping this vast love that Christ has for us. Paul continues on in verse 18. He says, To grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. God's love goes in every direction that it's needed. And God's love will go in every direction that it's needed for as long as it's needed. God's love is wide. It covers the entire race of humanity that is on this planet. God's love is long. It has always existed in eternity with Him. Fully, eternity past to the present to the future. God's love is high. His promise of a heavenly eternal home is secured in His love. God has given us that promise of heaven. God's love is deep. It reaches to the deepest, darkest sewer of sin of mankind. There is. There is no place you and I nor anybody else can go that has escaped the loving grasp of Jesus Christ. No matter how dark, no matter how far you think your sin has pulled you, wherever you're at in life, God's love will meet you right where you're at. You don't have to get your life all in order and all figured out before you come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will meet you right where you're at and He will start to clean you up. That's awesome news for every one of us. God's love is so vast and complete it covers every dimension possible. It is truly beyond understanding. Things say, Pastor, well, how, how can I know a love that's so great? If it's beyond my understanding, how can I know it? Well, the reality is it takes Christ putting His love in you. It takes Christ putting His love in me to give us the ability to love others and to love Him as we should. Because you see, when we allow His Holy Spirit to strengthen us, and we allow God's Word to start strengthening our lives, as we trust Jesus Christ to come in and start cleaning the rooms out of our hearts, the love of Christ will continue to grow and start to overflow into our lives. Jesus Christ will take us to the levels of loving that only He can do. The only way we're going to experience it and see it is when we allow Him and trust Him to do it. Are you willing to let Jesus have more of you this morning? Are you willing to let Jesus have all of you? This brings us to the final step in the prayer, which is really the goal of Paul's prayer. I entitled it to be filled to the fullness of God. Verse 19, the second part, Paul continues, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, the st 
strengthening of the Holy Spirit in our lives leads to Christ dwelling and ruling in our heart, which leads to Christ's abundant love in our heart, which leads to God's filling and fullness in us. You know, in the physical world, we can see, we can weigh, we can measure, we can touch what fullness is. You all have a gas tank on your car. There's so many gallons that go in the tank. You fill up so many gallons, the pump shuts off. You know it's full. All of our senses and laws of nature make that rule true right there. But what's the maximum levels in the spiritual world? How do you describe the indescribable? How do you measure the immeasurable? What is the fullness of limitlessness? There is no way that we can describe it. There's no way we can understand it. We can only believe that God is doing it and promises to continue to do it until we reach heaven. I like a quote from John MacArthur. He says, God's, God's supreme goal in giving us to Him, bringing Him, excuse me, I start over. God's supreme goal in bringing us to Himself is to make us like Himself by filling us with Himself with all that He is and He has. And you know, when you start to think about that, trying to get your head around the vastness and the love of God, you start to have to look at His, studying His attributes and His characteristics of who God is. I read a book a little over a year ago I would highly recommend called Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And A.W. goes through the characteristics of God in His attributes. And it is, wow, what a book to take time to just in a freshness look at the characteristics of God, His power, His majesty, His wisdom, His love, His mercy, His kindness, His patience. Paul often refers to the filling of God in our lives. In Ephesians 5.18, he says, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous process of being filled and renewed. But in order to fill something, something's got to be empty. And to be filled with God, we've got to empty of ourselves. That's what Paul had learned. We have a God that loves us so much that He doesn't rest until He gets what He wants in us and gets us to a place That'd be likewise any of us who have a child or a friend or spouse, loved one, someone when they go to a time where maybe they aren't living right, the decisions they're making, your desire is to see correct change come about. You know, and we have a loving Heavenly Father that doesn't rest until His kids are in a place and living in a way that He wants them to be and in a way where He is comfortable dwelling in them. That's a good thing. That is real love that He cares that much for us. Are you willing to let Jesus have more of you? 
Paul concludes his prayer in verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do far beyond what we even dare ask for. You know, to get there, we need to start with these steps. We need to start first with allowing His Holy Spirit to empower our life. Spending time purposely with Him daily. Just getting nuggets of truth from the Bible into our lives. Allowing that to start to direct our lives and our decision making. Listening to the Holy Spirit. Reemphasize His Word in our lives. Second, we need to give Jesus Christ the keys to your heart. Do you trust Him? Do you trust when you hand somebody the keys to take care of your home if you're on vacation? Do you trust handing Jesus Christ the keys to your heart to do the changes that He's going to direct? And we need to let God's love grow and pour out in our lives. We need to choose to love others more than ourselves. When you let Jesus have the ownership of all that you are, God will be able to do immeasurably more with your life than you can ever imagine. And in the end, He's going to get the credit and the glory from it because you're going to realize, looking at your life, it would have never happened on your own. It's only through His strength and His power working in you. Are you willing to let Jesus have more of you? Are you willing to let Jesus have all of you? Would you bow with me as we close? You know, the first starting point is to let Jesus have more of you, you really have to have a starting point. All relationships have a beginning. And I guess my question for some of you would be, have you ever started a relationship with Jesus Christ yourself? You have to start somewhere. Because the Bible tells us that your sin and my sin has separated us from the relationship with God. The good news is, is that God has offered a solution to that problem. God has offered His Son, Jesus Christ, as a solution for that. And that is where this relationship begins. Have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? You know, Jesus came 2,000 years ago God in a human form. He was 100% man. He was 100% God. He died on the cross. He shed His blood as a payment that God required for the forgiveness of sins. He physically died. He was buried. Put in a tomb under Roman guard and seal. And three days later, He rose from the dead. He was seen by more than 500 people. He is alive. He did come back to life. And he proved by that he has the power over death. And he also proved that he had the power to forgive sins. Have you ever accepted Christ? You can do that right now where you're sitting this morning. Say, Jesus, I want to start a relationship today with you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I believe you died for me as much as everybody else in this room. And that's it. You started your relationship with Christ this morning. 
I'd encourage you to grab a Bible on your way out this morning at the Welcome Center. For the rest of us too that are here, that are already walking with the Lord, what step are you on this morning? Are you struggling spending time with God? If you're honest, I mean, has your Bible got two, three weeks of dust on it? Just non-existent, it's erratic. I'm not here to guilt you in anything. I'm here to encourage you. You have access to the words of God for your life as a guidebook. What a blessing we have. Start where you're at. Start small. Start, start tomorrow, this afternoon. Open up God's Word. If you don't know where to start fresh, I recommend with people start in the Gospel of John. That's a great book to start in if you want to just start with some fresh devotional material. Be realistic where you're at. How's your house this morning? How's your heart? You got a room with a lock on it. It's got some garbage in it. It's just hindering your walk with the Lord. Things getting a little dusty in your home. Is some dirt getting tracked in the front door? The Lord will point it out to you. He does a wonderful job at that. He is the best house cleaner there is. Do you trust Him to do the cleaning in your home? Are you loving like Jesus? Is that a duty or a delight in your life? Is that something you actually have to be reminded of all the time because your life is so self-focused and programmed? Are you allowing the freshness and the passionate love of Christ to grow and to flow out in your life? Are you willing to let Jesus have more of you? Are you willing to let Jesus have all of you this morning? Are you willing to let God fill you with Himself so that He can use you to do immeasurably more with your life than you ever imagined? Wouldn't it be great to look back at 2019 this time next year and go, wow, thank you, Jesus. I couldn't have done this stuff without you. Lord, as we close today, God, you are our power source. You have given us the resources in you and your Holy Spirit to live this life in abundance, productive, fruitful, fulfilling. God, help us to yield more of ourselves to you. And the dirt starts getting tracked in the house. Help us to grab the broom and sweep it right back out the door. Lord, may your love pour out in us in a way that the world says, wow, there's something different about you. And the difference is it's Jesus. God, we've got a lot of work to do. I thank you for your patience and your love for us. Bless us now this week as we go forward. Give us a hunger 